0: Pfizer jumped up with all their COVID products, and they reached 103 uh, billion. First company ever to do it. And they did it, of course, with those COVID treatments. And you take those away, and they're right back with where they were previous to the pandemic. So here we've hit this golden figure, but it might take a while for another company to do it, right?
1: That's Kevin Dunlevy, a staff writer here at Fierce Biotech. Later we'll hear more from him, about the top 20 pharma companies in 2022 by revenue. I'm Teresa Carey, and this is The Top Line from Fierce Biotech, Fierce Medtech, and Fierce Pharma. Today is Friday, April 21st, and here is Zoe Becker to give you all the biopharma and medtech industry news you need.
2: Medtronic began laying off employees this week, a process the medtech said could take months. The cuts will affect its various global businesses, with final timelines determined partly by international labor regulations and local laws. In a statement to Fierce MedTech, the company did not have a total number to share. It is currently in the process of notifying employees whether or not they still have a job. Recently, Medtronic has seen its quarterly sales decline year over year across areas such as surgical hardware, diabetes tech, and cardiovascular devices. In February, company leaders promised to pursue aggressive cost reductions to help weather supply chain issues, inflation, foreign currency changes, and slow procedure rates. Medtronic unloaded its kidney care division by spinning it off into a new joint venture with the dialysis giant, Davita. Then, it quietly reorganized its surgical units to slim down its corporate structure. And now, Medtronic is looking for potential buyers for its patient monitoring and respiratory care divisions. After circling the crop of biotechs ripe for a takeover, two big pharmas have finally decided to strike. Merck & Co. made the first take, buying Prometheus Biosciences for $10.8 billion on Sunday. Then, GSK offered $2 billion for Bellis Health on Tuesday. These two deals are a healthy sign for the M&A market in biotech, which has been pretty dull over the past year. Moody's now expects to see the deal market pick up, which could mean massive buyouts. Other big pharmas potentially in the hunt include Bristol-Myers Squibb, Biogen, and Pfizer. j and CFO, Joseph Wolk, told investors this week that he's looking but plans to be cautious. He promised investors J&J would not do anything out of desperation. Eli Lilly has been investing heavily in manufacturing. In its latest move, the company said in a press release that it would invest an additional $1.6 billion into two new manufacturing sites. The sites are at Leap Innovation Park in Indiana. This commitment will bring Lilly's total investment at the site to $3.7 billion. It marks Lilly's most significant manufacturing investment in a single location in its near 150-year history. Lilly previously outlined plans to expand its manufacturing footprint in North Carolina and Ireland with other billion-dollar facilities. The aggressive expansion comes as Lilly plans to launch four new products to drive 2023 revenues above $30 billion. These include Manjaro, the popular diabetes drug. Some of Lilly's manufacturing projects are earmarked explicitly for its diabetes products. Thanks to a leaked dataset, we now know more about a much-anticipated showdown between Bristol-Myers Squibb and the alliance of Johnson & Johnson and Legend Biotech. The data was for a CART-T therapy made by Johnson & Johnson and Legend Biotech. It showed that the duo's multiple melanoma drug, Carvicti, reduced the risk of cancer progression or death by 74% compared with the standard of care. The massive improvement exceeded the expectations of analysts at Cohen. They released a Tuesday note that said the result is game-changing. Carvicti has a rival. Bristol-Myers Squibb also markets a CART-T therapy called Abecma. That drug reduced the risk of progression or death by 51% compared with standard therapies. Although the two studies were conducted in different patient populations, Wall Street analysts view Carvicti as a leading therapy.
1: So you can guarantee I'll get lost anytime I'm in the city, but this weekend I wish I could be in New York. Our New York editorial staff will be attending the Neal Awards ceremony today on Friday. The Neal Awards are the most prestigious awards for business-to-business journalism. And this year, our sister podcast, Podgnosis, is a finalist for the best podcast of 2023. And our Fierce team has been nominated for a total of five different awards. The winners will be announced today at the ceremony. And also this week, three of our Fierce reporters are at the Healthcare Information and Management Systems Society Conference in Chicago. So look for their coverage. 2022 was the third year the coronavirus pandemic impacted revenue for biopharma companies. And we know this because Fierce Pharma has been doing a special report for the past 11 years, tracking the top pharma companies by revenue each year. And this year is no different. This year, we found that Pfizer had a considerable increase. It became the first company in the industry history to rack up more than $100 billion in sales. So how did other companies fare in 2022, and what can we expect this year? Karita Anderson and Kevin DunLevy are here to discuss that special report.:
3: Kevin, so you uh, once again led our annual report on pharma revenues this year, and I'm actually really excited to talk to you about the trends that you uncovered. And you know, I say actually, really excited. Because it's easy to get jaded when year over year, you see the same companies in the top 20 list, very similar trends, nothing too new to see there. But this year's report is different. Um, The big standout is the fact that we finally have a pharma company that has reached $100 billion in annual revenue. And, you know, pre-pandemic, I would say Johnson & Johnson was probably the company on everyone's bingo card to hit this mark, but it was Pfizer that got there first and Pfizer now holds the title of a $100 billion company by revenues.
0: Yeah, Carita, uh, Johnson & Johnson, they'd been creeping up. They had $94 billion in 2021 and then $95 billion uh, last year, but uh, Pfizer jumped up with all their covid Products and they reached 103 uh, billion. First company ever to do it, and in doing that, they also ended uh, Johnson and Johnson's mm-hmm. 10-year run from 2012 to 21. Yeah. They had been the top revenue pharma uh, every single year, and they did it, of course, with those COVID treatments. Their vaccine sold 38 billion. Their antiviral pill Paxlovid sold 18 billion. Yay. So they made 56 billion off those two COVID products Yeah, and you take those away and they're right back with where they were previous to the pandemic. They, uh, in 2018 through 2020, they were between 40 and 42 billion in revenue. Mm. Uh, their trajectory would have been, would have been similar without those COVID products. They would have had 44 billion. So, Mm. uh, Mm. so here we've hit this golden figure, but it's, uh, but it might take a while for another company to do it. Right
3: yeah that's that's a really great point but pfizer and in fact all the covid players are predicting really precipitous covid sales declines this year so overall for this year we know that pfizer is predicting uh 67 to 71 billion dollars in total revenue um now pfizer did acquire cgen recently that might add another 2 billion dollars that's still far off from 100 billion dollars mm then there's J&J right which you mentioned has been closed um it reported 95 billion dollars last year so one might think well J&J is closed uh it's going to cross the 100 billion dollar mark in 2023 but, you know, not so fast. j is spinning out its consumer health unit. And so it's going to lose all the money that comes from products like Listerine and Tylenol and other OTC meds or beauty products. Um, the consumer health unit of you know, to be clear, made $15 billion last year. So that's a decent chunk of money without those revenues. j j is, you know, also far from hitting $100 billion um, in 2023 revenue. And, you know, number three on our list, Roche, was at $66 billion for last year.
0: Yeah, Karita, this was interesting to me. I uh, I looked on market companiesmarketcap.com. Yeah. And they rank public companies, and I found out that Pfizer is eight, number 87 in the world, so yeah. uh, there's companies that are much bigger. They, of course, have many more employees, too. Uh, mm. you know, number one on that list, for example, is Walmart, $611 billion. Number two wow. is Saudi Oil, $604 billion. and number three is Amazon, $514 billion. So, uh, pharma has a way to go to, to reach those, but, uh, I don't think they have really the ambition to, to do that con- considering how many employees you'd have to do to, uh, to get there. Um,
3: right. Right.
0: But the interesting thing I've found, or really not interesting, but just kind of amusing was that Pfizer ranked between two postal delivery companies. Number oh, 86 yeah. is UPS and number 88 was uh, DHL. Uh, and again, those companies, many more employees, I think, uh. Mm. I think they both have close to more than 400,000 employees. Pfizer's about 82,000. Another figure that you can look at is earnings, and that's a very similar figure to to profit, and Pfizer was number 19 in the world on that list.
3: So the next thing I thought might be interesting to do is to look at the top 20 pharma revenue generators in a different way. So instead of just looking at their sales uh, from last year. Um, I thought we could think about them and how much they grew last year compared to 2021. So when measured this way, Pfizer comes in second. It grew 23%. Merck and Co. is next and not too far behind Pfizer actually with with 22% growth. So I've spoken a lot about Pfizer. Let me spend a minute on Merck. Um, Merck also had a COVID asset, asset in its portfolio, but really Merck's main breadwinner is cancer drug Keytruda. Keytruda made $20.9 billion. Now that's a massive 35% of Merck's revenues. Um, so of course, you know the natural question then becomes, does Merck have too many eggs in the Katruda basket? <laughs> right. um, well, you know, Keytruda, its patents start to expire in 2027. So we'll start to see by a similar action and legal battles, but only as we get closer to that date, I imagine um, and I just, you know, I just come back to the fact that even just last year, Ketruda sales grew 22%. So for now, it feels like Katruda is a fairly reliant asset for Merck.
0: Yeah. Well, another company way up in 2022 was AstraZeneca. They had an 18% increase in 2022. And a lot of that really was from the acquisition of Alexion. That right, was a $39 right. billion deal in 2021. Last year was the first year that they had their full, you know, full year of of assets going on the books. Um, one thing that happened with AstraZeneca in twenty twenty two was their COVID product Evusheld, which is short lived because it's no longer uh, it's no longer being sold. But it made two point two billion last year. The company has uh, a huge portfolio, though fourteen assets. Mm. Yeah. uh blockbusters last year which is pretty amazing when you consider uh, consider that really most of those had sales increases they're on their way up uh, mm. as opposed to to starting to drop and some of the big gainers there were Calquence their blood cancer drug 66% up Farziga their kidney cancer drug 46% and Ultomiris their rare disease drug 34% up so uh really good year for AstraZeneca and uh and it looks like they would increase or, you know, continue that uh, trajectory, I would think, next year.
3: Yeah, AstraZeneca is definitely um, generally a very stable company. And, you know, while most of the companies in our top 20 list grew, five, however, did decline. That said, only two of those were significant. The others were just marginal drops. Um so of those two, with those two significant uh, companies, uh, one was GSK and the other one was BioNTech. Interestingly, both those two companies fell victim to themes. Um, you know, we've already sort of touched upon a little bit. Um, GSK re- GSK's revenues dropped eleven percent, and that's largely because GSK completed, the separation of its consumer health business. So we were talking earlier about G and j this year spinning out its consumer health business. So, you know, just like we expect J&J to take a hit as it spins, does that spin out, we've already seen this play out with GSK, with GSK, GSK. Um, you know, of course, GSK, just like uh and is aiming for, is naturally growing its pharma division to help make up for the revenue loss from um, uh, the Haleon sale. Haleon is the name of that new business. Uh, so take Haleon out of the mix and GSK's revenue actually grew 13%. So again, pretty healthy. Uh, the big growth driver there was Shingrix, uh, which is GSK's shingles vaccine. Shingrix sales skyrocketed 60%. But, you know, that coincides with people getting caught up on their vaccinations after dropping off on regular vaccinations during the first two years of the pandemic. So we'll really have to see how the shingles vaccination rates are this year.
0: Right. And that other company that dropped significantly last year was uh, BioNTech. And that one's easy to figure out, of course, Mm. with just one product. Um, That COVID vaccine sales, uh, they went from 19 billion euros to 17.3 billion. Uh, BioNTech was the number 20 company on our list, so they almost certainly won't be there next year. They're only predicting 5 billion euros of vaccine sales next year. Wow,
3: yeah, talk about those precipitous declines, right? Um, And BioNTech is not the only company that will be booted from the next top 20 list. Moderna, too, will be out, uh, we're guessing, and for the very same reason of declining COVID-related sales. So suddenly the days of the COVID windfall are over for pharma. Um, It's the COVID vaccines, obviously, that made Moderna and BioNTech newcomers on our list just last year. Both companies made significant sales in 2021, which is, of course, the first full year of vaccine sales. So who's new on our list this year?
0: Yeah, Corita, we had one new one new company, and that was Merck KGAA, mm. the other Merck, of course. Yeah. Uh, they had an increase of 13%, and they replaced Viatris, which mm. had a 9% revenue decline. And that's sort of reminiscent of uh, of another company that's a lot like Viatris, and that's Teva. They used to be in the top 20, near the bottom, of yeah. course, but... Uh, They dropped out the previous year. Mm. Um, But those two companies could be back in this year, uh, given that we're going to have team have uh, certainly Moderna and BioNTech falling out.
3: Yeah. And, you know, thinking a little bit more about how our report next year might pan out, I think suddenly eyes will be on Eli Lilly and Novo Nordisk with their diabetes, and importantly, the obesity drugs that they have in their portfolio. Now, both companies, along with the other big diabetes players, Sanofi, have cut the list prices on some of their insulins and also made other pricing changes. But likely that's not going to severely decrease their diabetes revenue overall. Um, They both have several insulins as well as a variety of other diabetes drugs. Um, and then, of course, like I said, obesity. I mean, obesity is pegged to be the next blockbuster pharma market overall. So, you know that that will be um, have a lot of potential for them. Uh, for Lilly specifically, twenty twenty two revenue stayed almost flat. So it's going to be interesting for sure this year. Um, it was another company that felt the punch of falling COVID revenues. Um, it's top insulins also dropped, but on the flip side, Lily's four top selling drugs all showed strong growth. Uh, and one of them is diabetes drug, Trulicity. So to my point previously about how Lily changing pricing for some of its insulins need not be a big hit for its overall diabetes portfolio.
0: I think Nova Nordisk, uh, we look at them as a company to look at this year, but they Mm -hmm. really, last year was when they really took off. They... Had a twenty six percent revenue increase. Um, that was the highest on our list of, of the top twenty uh, top twenty companies. And this year's production of Wegovy and Ozempic, their diabetes and obesity drugs, uh, should be much higher. They've bumped up their manufacturing capacities for those, and uh, and I think we can expect uh, a lot of a lot more growth, even maybe beyond the twenty six percent that we saw last year. And then you start to look at companies that could see a decline, and we've already sort of talked about several of them already besides Moderna right. and BioNTech with their COVID. But you know, you're know, you also looking at Pfizer, of course, for the reasons we discussed with COVID uh, sales going way down, Johnson & Johnson spinning off its Kenview consumer group. Uh, number three, Roach, they depended a lot on COVID diagnostics, so that'll be down. Uh, number four, Merck, we talked about that as well, COVID pills. Sales will be down, although uh, Keytruda may make up for that, uh, mm. the way they've uh, they've built every year. Number five, AbbVie. Uh, they're going to hit, they're being hit with biosimilar competition for Humira for the first time. Uh, so that's something they're dealing with that they haven't, mm. yeah, they haven't had to deal with for a long time. And then our number six and seven companies were Novartis and Bristol-Myers Squibb. And they both had slight revenue drops in uh, 2023, uh, or last year, excuse me. And uh, there's probably reason to suspect that could happen again this year. Mm. So we've had this, I guess we've had this great period of volatility here with with COVID. And that'll probably happen again as we have an adjustment year, 2023. And then by 2024, I think we'll start to see that very high growth, very high decline, uh, kind of smooth out.
3: Yeah, yeah, well said, Kevin. I mean, you know, barring an extremely virulent new strain of COVID that pushes governments back into a new round of COVID vaccine mandates, which seems yeah. highly unlikely. It's fairly safe to say, like you said, that twenty twenty three will be the last year of the COVID related sales roller coaster ride.
0: Yeah, I can imagine.
1: That's it for the top line. I'm Teresa Carey. Annalie Armstrong, Angus Liu, and Connor Hale reported today's news stories. You can learn more about these topics in our show notes at fiercepharma.com. Look for podcasts. And that's The Bottom Line from The Top Line.